just yes, exactly, exactly painful, but that's been very helpful to me because I did not realize some of the bad habits that I have. Now I know all my bad habits, can't change them, but I do know what they are. We are wallowing around, wallowing, wallowing, wallowing around, that would be wallowing. We are wallowing around in Genesis, Adam and Eve, and the questions immediately become, why are we in Adam and Eve? I thought we, of course, were in the New Testament and the Beatitudes, but we are not. We are in Adam and Eve for no other reason than it is the first story. The first story. That means it is a foundational story. It is the foundational story, and you must have an understanding of this foundational story in order to move on. Most theologians will tell you that the story of Adam and Eve is by far the most complex story in Scripture. Rarely is it presented that way, but it is. And understanding that the Bible is a book of precise order, perfect order. Adam and Eve at the beginning must be where you have to develop your own theological doctrines. These are not mine, by the way. I'm going to present some positions today again. And they are they my positions, but I didn't think of them. They're ages old. I have a big pile of books that cost lots of money that I'll never get the money back out of, uh, of one guy after another, all disagreeing with each other over the last thousand years. And I ended up doing what I hope you will do. You will take all the different positions that you're given over time and make a decision as to which one you think is the best interpretation of this scripture relying on the Holy Spirit to direct you. That is all you can do. If you think you're somebody who has the ability to read Scripture and come up with revelation on your own, wow, I am not that guy. I don't know any of those guys. Have they lived? Yes, they have lived. I have never met one. I have just read their books, occasionally watched their TV show. So I hope that you are one of those people, but I know that you are not. Now, here we are, probably, probably or not. I would probably bet for you, Cindy would bet against you, and now you know how we're going. I took all the underdogs, by the way. I was rooting for the under, and they were annihilated, most of them. That's the end of that subject. Outside of creation... Book of Genesis, outside of creation, creation is very important, but outside of the subject of creation comes the next most profound subject, that is God's image. It's very important for God to tell us what his image is. So if you get nothing out of creation, or nothing out of Genesis in the creation story, that's fine. Most people have problems with it because of modern day science. I do not. I think modern day science is bumped, so therefore I have a real easy time with Genesis. I do not think evolution is correct. I have never thought evolution was correct beyond the age of perfect stupidity, which for a male is 17. Once you get past 17, your brain begins to function. Prior to that, you are perfectly stupid, and you will believe anything, and I did, evolution being one of those. But now I don't have a problem with it. I'm on my own. I have gone beyond perfect stupidity, but clearly God's image is not about a physical person, even though there's some physicality involved there. God's image is not about Adam 
and what he looks physically like. Two hands, two eyes, two noses. Okay, one nose, a little bit of hair, less hair now, a little heavier, not so heavy, who knows, big feet, little feet. That is not what this story is about. Or if it was, we could look at the context, couldn't we? We would see a story about Adam on all fours. We would see a story of Adam doing something physically, and that is not what the story is about. The story is about Adam making decisions. So clearly in the context of Genesis, the definition that you're after of God's image is the ability of man to make free will decisions. So that means God's image is related to primarily, in the context of the story, free will. That's what you're after when you read this story. Do I understand God's image is free will? God wants us to have free will. Up to this point, up to the point of the tree of knowledge and the tree of life, up to the point of this free will decision that Adam and Eve are going to make, have we had free will decisions? Most theologians, you see, will give you the impression that there has been no decisions made at all up until Eve taking from the tree of knowledge of good and evil. Does that make sense? It does not make sense. There had to be how many free will decisions made by these two people before they blew one. How many did they make? How many do you make? I made the decision to go with this lovely tie. Actually, Lori did. It's a very good decision. A free will decision by me? No. Free will decision by Lori. Or me. My point being is that every second you make decisions, don't you? All of these decisions did they make, free will decisions, two of them, how many did they make that were contrary to what God wanted them to do up to this point? Zero. How stupid are these people? I hope you come to the conclusion that these are not stupid people. How many free will decisions? Now, I know there's a difference between you and them. They had the ability to resist evil. You do not. They had the ability to make a good decision or a bad decision. You have this decay in you that comes from them. You cannot. You are continually sinning, but realize something. You have Holy Spirit helping you. How many good decisions do you make that are in obedience with God? Still very few. Up to this point, no bad decisions. Now, what are we going to talk about? We're going to talk about the one that they made that was bad, isn't it? The very first bad decision made by two perfect people in the Garden of Eden, in the presence of God. They won. They made one. Well, I, I wish that, that I made one bad decision. I, I don't think I made a good decision before the age of 30. Some people would say 35. Some people would say one good decision about age 36. After that, hopeless. The point being is, is that how bad was this mistake in relationship to your decision making? 
How serious a mistake was this? That's the question of Genesis. Because the consequences for this mistake were amazingly devastating. How bad a decision was it? That's a question I want you to ponder. See, a perfect creator would not be satisfied with <laughs> with the relationship. Never mind. A perfect creator would not be he would not be satisfied with a relationship that did not have free will in it. I made that point last week, and we are reviewing again. I got free will. I have to have free will. Why do I have to have free will? He's got free will. You understand? He is the one that has free will. He wants you to have free will because if you don't have free will, you're not a mason. If you're not a mason, you cannot choose to love him. You cannot choose to obey him. That's what it's all about. He wants you to make a free will decision to follow him. How come? Well, a bunch of reasons. One, that pleases him. We don't know his mind, but it does. He does not want a piece of plastic program to follow him around. I know most men think that's the perfect wife. But it is not. As you get older, you find out quickly that the joy in your relationship, believe it or not, is the differences, the conflicts. That's what hardens you and makes you a better relationship over time. You, you don't want this plastic automation. It's ridiculous. Nor does God. does not want a whimpering puppy that follows him everywhere no matter what. He wants something that chooses to follow him out of love for him, just as he has love for you. He's perfectly in tune with his free will. He wants you to have it as well. And it's very, very important. So, now we start out with that. We have a God who demands free will because of his nature. He demands your ability to choose. So he sets up a system, doesn't he? How does he decide to give you free will? He sets up two trees, doesn't he? That is how... Your free will. If those two trees are not there, there is no free will. There must be an opportunity to disobey God. If there is no opportunity to disobey God, there is no free will. One, of course, is the tree of life, P-O-L. The other one is the tree of knowledge. Tree of knowledge of what? Good and evil. They're both in the middle of the garden. Take from the tree of knowledge... Surely done. Definitely, positively, guaranteed, perfect, no possibility of parole, death. Take from that tree, death. That's the best I think. Death. Perfect. Guaranteed. No possibility of anything but death take from that tree. We discussed this last week. So therefore, that is a bad tree, right? No, it is not a bad tree. They are both good trees. They have to both be good trees because God says so. He says, good, 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 good. Then he talks about his image. Then he says, man is made in that image. And then he says, very good. We do not have bad yet. The only thing that's bad is not the tree. The tree is fine. What's bad is the decision you make to take from the tree. So what becomes bad is the choice. You have to understand that the tree itself is fine. It had a perfect role for God. 
What was its role? One, it allowed man to have choice. That's the first thing it did. Two, there's nothing wrong with that. That's what God wants you to have. That's very good to God that you're made in his image. Not just good, very good. Good, good, good. Six goods, image, very good. It's very good that you are made in his image with an opportunity to to choose. So that tree is not just good, it's very good. It must be there. What's bad? What's bad is if you choose to disobey and take from that tree. What could that tree do if you didn't take from it? Well, and we would like to announce today the time change. Please, please be aware that we have moved to 10 o'clock next week. (laughs) That's okay. I'm sure glad you're here. This is a good tree. It is a good tree because it, one, provides for choice. It is a good tree because it somehow teaches Adam about his choice. Just by being there. Simply by being there, it is teaching Adam. How's it doing that? See, most times you've heard this story. The only way you can learn about good and evil is to take the fruit, right? No, that's not how you learn about good and evil. That's how you learn how to do the wrong thing. How could that tree be sitting there? Did God intend for man? See, now you're into predestination, aren't you? Most theologians, by the way, the majority view is, is that man was predestined to take that fruit. He could not have done anything else. Does that make sense? Well, it does and it doesn't. If you take the position that man had no choice but to take from that truth, then you have said that God's image is not about choice, haven't you? I just steered you right down to where I said God's image is about choice, and if you cannot do anything but take from that tree, then you've got a different definition of God's image, don't you? Well, did I suffer in here? See, my position is, and it is not, by the way, uh, without debate. My position is, is that this is clearly about God's image, and God's image is clearly about free will. That's important to him. And this tree was put there for that purpose. That means that man could have taken from that tree, or he did not have to take from that tree. He could have not taken from the tree. Now, If we take from the tree the fruit that represents the knowledge of good and evil, if we take from the tree, we learn about good and evil, don't we? If we don't take from the tree, we learn about good and evil. That tree could have sat there for eternity, and Adam could have learned about good and evil. How is that possible? How does he learn from that? Well, what he does is he learns something very important. Foundational. This is what separates Christianity, by the way. (coughs) Foundational. He learns obedience. What he learns from obedience is, is that there are two things out there in life. One are things, one category is things that are in accordance with God. In accordance. The other thing that is out there, or or the other category, are those things 
which are opposed. See, that's all that is, isn't it? God set up a test, didn't he? He said, okay, listen, don't go from this tree. Don't do anything in this tree because that's disobedience. And there are, there are issues that you're going to confront, Adam. Some of those issues are in accordance with my will. Some of those issues are opposed to my will. Two different categories. Well, most of it just don't say that. Understand that? We have a God. And he sits out there. And everything fits. There are no bad things. There are no good things. What you end up with is distance from the light. Everybody is saved. There's the great light. And those people who are good people, they're over here. They're in Hawaii. And those people who are bad people, uh, badder people, are over here. They're in, they'll say, Coke. <laughs> they, <coughs> there is no difference in their salvation. The only difference is, is their distance. They're all saved. That's the predominant thought, by the way, religiously. Not Christianity. Christianity says you have things that are in accordance with God, and you have things which are opposed to God, and God sets one of those up and says, eating from this tree will make you opposed to me. So Adam knows right off the bat that i got two directions I can go. I can go in God's will, or I can go away from God's will. The possibility, to understand, exists to go away from God's will. We take that for granted, but that is not taken for granted in other religions. You can choose obedience. You can develop a freedom of will into a voluntary, deliberate, self-conscious choice of God. You understand? I have free will. Yay. I've been given that. Doesn't mean anything yet to me. I have to test that free will. And that means I have to have an opportunity to take a different path. If that opportunity doesn't exist, my free will, I give you all the free will in the world, but if I never give you an opportunity to exercise it, that's very much what happens in the workplace, right? You are the administrator of the church. So therefore, you have the ability to make all these decisions. Sadly, however, you're not going to be given an office. You'll stay at home and we won't give you any decisions to make. So you have freedom of will, but you don't have any authority to exercise it. What good is it? How long would you last there? Unless you won the pool, you would be gone. That's what the creed is for. Very, very important to understand that we have to have an ability to exercise to give the free will. That's what this is. The longer I exercise this free will, what do I learn? The longer I exercise the free will, the longer I get an understanding of what it is God wants me to do. So the longer I stay away from this decision to take this fruit, the more I learn about God's nature. And that was the point of that tree, I believe. Now, there you are, huh? See, remember all scriptures have three things. They have the primary interpretation of those scriptures. They have the application of those scriptures to you. And, of course, they have the prophecy. There you are. Here you are. Put yourself in Adam's position. You have free will today, don't you? You're supposed to have. Theologically, you do. You have the Holy Spirit helping you. So therefore, you have an opportunity with his guidance to make good choices. How do you do that? 
not so good, gone. None of us are very good at making good choices, even with the Holy Spirit's uh, influence on us. Again, you're back to the total depravity doctrine of Calvinism, aren't you? Okay, we'll leave that alone. <laughs> Notice I said choices. Never said one choice. I've always said choices. This story is about choices and not choice. See? And this is where it turns. The choices of the people are different. Eve had different choices than Adam did. Actually, Eve had a different choice than Adam had. See, the majority position is is that Adam is an idiot. That is the majority position in, in Christian theology. Adam is an idiot. God's first created sinless man is a dupe. He blindly followed Eve without thought. And up to now, he remained sinless out of, out of luck. There was no intelligence by him to make this decision to leave that tree alone. He just didn't happen to be around the tree. Up to this point, the majority position in theology is that Adam is Mr. Magoo, blindly running around, happened to follow in the right footpaths and not getting into any trouble. Well, Eve comes along. She has a little bit more intelligence than Adam does. She makes a mistake, and he's so stupid that all he can do is, is, is repeat her mistake. God's first created sinless perfect man is an idiot. That is a majority position in theology. Now, you can tell by my tone of voice that I don't like that, do I? I think that's crazy. I think to assume that we have superior intellect to a perfect man created by a perfect creator is ridiculous. Not ridiculous, unjustifiably ridiculous. Now, you see, it didn't happen until the last hundred years. It's come from the evolutionary position that we have evolved into more intelligence, and therefore Adam is stupid. Okay, Eve's choice. Eve's choice is pretty simple, isn't it? Eve's choice comes up here and says, eat or don't eat. That's her choice. Eat. No eat. And she makes a decision to eat, doesn't she? And that, of course, is in disobedience. And now we have, as we've discussed before, Eve has fallen out of the Garden of Eden, and she is separated not just from God, but from Adam. Now, Adam had a lot of few more choices. I know we're reviewing, but we have to, because we've got to cover these choices. Let Eve die alone. He could do that. Die alone. Let her die Alone. Second thing he could do is he could leave Eden and die with her. That's his second choice. And the other choice is wait and do nothing. Now, if Adam was an idiot, that would be the one he would do. Wouldn't you think? That's what all men do. We just wait until something happens and we have to fix it. That would be more typical, wouldn't it? No, that's not what he did. We know what he did. He chose to go with Eve. Now, I'm going to say something here. It's obvious to me that God liked that plan. He was punished for it. It was a sinful decision. It was the wrong decision to make. But God obviously liked it. Because God has used it. Now, you end up in a debate. I realize that. Did this decision to follow Adam come after the sin, before the sin? Does everything? When was the decision of Christ made by God to come and redeem us? 
before or after the sin of Adam. You end up in the predestinational issues. And I know they're difficult. Well, let's just hang with me and we'll ignore those for a while because we'll get bogged down forever. This is muck, I know. But you see, we have more decisions than those three, don't we? We have let her die alone, leave Eden and die with her. What? Wait and do nothing. But we really have another decision. We could leave Eden and die with her, but that's not all the story because I got this tree right here. That's the most important tree in there. That's the one that is overlooked. That's the one that's really the key decision. If I eat from this one, I start to decay the death process, but I can stop that death process by coming back and eating that. So that's his real decision, isn't it? Eat from the tree of life. Once he eats from that tree of knowledge, he could have walked right over to the tree of life and eaten from that tree. How much time did he have? See, I like to inject time into this discussion because he clearly had enough time to make clothes out of fig leaves, didn't he? He had that much time. Did he have enough time to walk over and take from that tree of life? What is the reason for the tree of life? I don't need life. I got life. Why did God put the tree of life in there? Precisely as we have discussed, to break, to build this conflict, to build this dilemma. That is why it's there. If you eat from this one and you start to die, you can arrest that death by coming over here. That's the key decision. See, Adam had all kinds of decisions to make. Once Eve made a mistake, stupid Adam had to make a whole bunch of them. Or if you take my position, smart Adam had to carefully make a decision. What did he do? It becomes what we call in theology the Richard Nixon dilemma. Okay. Yay, somebody's listening because they laugh. What did he know? And when did he know it? Okay. That's the key to Adam. What did he know and when did he know it? How much information does he have? Does Adam, remember, Eve is dying now. Does Adam know Eve is dying? I believe he does know Eve is dying because God told him, eat from that tree, you might die. No, eat from that tree, guaranteed you're going to die. So Adam knows that Eve is dying right now. Does he know what that means? Does he understand the concept of death? Is it bad to die? Raise your hand if you think it's bad to die. Oh, Jesus, no hands. All? All have been around me long enough to know that I mock you if you raise your hand. No. We think as a culture that death is bad, don't we? Did Adam believe death was bad? See, up to this point, you've got to remember everything is good. Good, 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 good. Six goods, image, and a very good. That's your pattern in Genesis. Six goods, an image, and a very good. Could death be good? Why would Adam necessarily think death was a bad thing? Had he had a discussion with God on death? He's got God's... Who else is he going to talk to? He doesn't have Eve, does he? Eat from that tree, Adam, you're going to surely die. Whoa, okay, boo, 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 boo. I'll go around and kill something. I'll dig some dirt. I'll never ask you what death means. I will not try to understand the concept of death, even though you're right there and you can explain it to me perfectly. 
I believe that Adam did understand what death meant. He knew exactly what the consequences was for Eve. See, I have a smart Adam position, don't I? I have to assume that he now has, is assimilating information. He is a typical, well-adjusted man, and given a conflict, a problem, he begins to make a list of what it is he ought to do about it. And here he has a dying wife. What to do now? What do I do now? Do I understand what death is? Is he so stupid and he doesn't even know he's going, that she's dying, then the rest of this doesn't even matter. But I'm going to take the position that he understands death and he knows what it is. Is he afraid of it? Now, that's another question you have to deal with. Is he afraid of death? We know he's afraid of something, don't we? Because he says so. Why did you hide? I'm afraid. We know he's afraid of something. Is he afraid of the death issue? Does he believe he's going to die no matter what if he eats from the apple? Yes, he does. No, he's going to die. Remember, if he's a smart Adam and he understands death and he takes that fruit from Eve and he eats it, as soon as he does, he knows he's going to die. How long is it going to take to die? Does he know that? See, he lives 930 years from the day he eats that apple. Does he know he's got 930 years? How much does he know? See, back here. What does he know? When does he know it? A very important thing to discuss. Is he afraid to die? Is Eve afraid to die? We know they're afraid of something. Is it death that they're afraid of? Does Adam understand that when he eats from that apple, just as Eve has just done, does he understand that that means they're separated and they have to leave Eden? They are going to lose this communion they have with God, their parent. Do they understand the separation issue? The death means to them that they are separated from God and the eating that disobedience means that they're going to have to leave the garden. Do they understand that? What did he know? When did he know it? Does he understand that if he does not eat with the apple that he loses Eve? She's gone. He remains behind. Does he have that concept? You see, did he sit down and figure this out beforehand? Would you have? Yes, I think you would have. He's smarter than you. You would see the tree. You would have your wife. You would say, look, if we eat from that, we got big problems. We don't want to be eating from that. That could be trouble. I sat down and talked to the boss. The boss laid all out for me. Here's what death means. Here's what's going to happen if you eat from that tree. Here's the issues that are involved. Stay away from that. Did that happen? Did we have a contingency plan? Did we have a discussion between Adam and Eve what the tree of knowledge was for? What we were trying to learn by staying away from the tree of knowledge. You don't have TV. You don't have Nintendo 64. You actually have to talk to your family. You have to talk to your spouse because that's all that's there. How much talking did they do? How much time was involved in this. See, I have to do something all the time when I do this lecture. I inject time for people. Most theologians make you think it happened so quickly that it, they just really didn't have a chance to do anything but this, but I don't believe that. See, I have a position that Adam was how old? How many know what my position is on Adam? How old was Adam? Seventy, 70 because I'm trying to get a thousand. 
First Adam has a thousand years. Second Adam has a thousand years. See, I, so you can see that I got 70 years there. So clearly, I've got plenty of time in my position. You don't have to have this position, by the way. It's probably heresy. But I have plenty of time, don't I? Just want to point out to you that, that there is time here, probably. How much? We don't know. It's not in the story. Adam didn't put it in the story. He wrote this, by the way. Moses did not write this. No theologian agrees that Moses was the sole author of this story. They believe that he compiled Adam's exact story and put it in Scripture with his authorship. That's the traditional thing. Okay. When you sin, you die. Why? What is this death thing? Why did God choose death for you as a solution to disobedience? That's God's solution, isn't it? When you disobey God, the first perfect people who disobeyed God, the solution for their disobedience, the answer to that, was it punishment? Or was it a solution? See, there's where you end up. It's a punishment if what happens. It's a punishment if we eat from that tree and we eat from that tree because then it becomes permanent condemnation. But it was not. it is not permanent condemnation, is it? See, we as Christians need to understand that what it is, what death is for you, is not punishment. What death is for you is an opportunity. Death is an opportunity for to get back into the Garden of Eden and get this relationship between you and God restored. Death is a solution. Now, isn't that a weird solution? That's God's plan. Death is God's plan to solve this problem. Adam and Eve fell. Does he did not love Adam and Eve? Does Adam and Eve love God? Sure they do. More so than we could ever imagine. I love to hear people stand up in front of church groups and say, I love Jesus. And I always think to myself, oh, really? That's a very arrogant thing to say to me. You can't prove it very easily. I'm very suspicious of you, and you do. My point is, though, is here we have two people who really did have that relationship that we long for, I hope we long for. We really do have two people that love their Creator, who knew their Creator in a perfect way. Does He love them? Absolutely He does. Does He want them permanently condemned? No, He does not. His will is specific. I want none to perish. So, His punishment, I want to use the word, is it punishment or is it a solution? I think it's a solution. Death is a loving God's answer to a problem that you create. You have created a problem. You've made a mistake. A loving parent comes back with a solution that will work. How is death a solution? How in the world and dying. See, we all agree that death is a separation of the body from the soul. Why is that a solution? Why is this the method? Why is this the answer? Surely he could have come up with something better than that. But he doesn't. Death is God's answer. And remember, he had this answer before they did it. And he had this answer 
when he said everything was good. So death becomes a good thing to God. Uh, is that true? Is that possible? Death is a good thing? See, life is where? Where is life? Life in you, medically speaking, I have a couple of people who are know in here. Life is in the what? It's in the blood. Well, we now have in Adam and Eve, as soon as they made that disobedience, we have the decay system occurring. That means that we have death now in the what? Blood. So instead of life in the blood, we have death in the blood. If you read Leviticus 17, it says specifically, don't drink blood. I will turn my face away, God says, from any man, any woman, any group of people who drink blood. Why? Because he's trying to point out that life is in the blood, and now you have death in the blood, and the only way I can fix that is to get you new blood. I need perfect blood now. <coughs> Where am I going to get perfect blood? Your blood's bad. You know that? Every single one of you, you have bad blood. You need a blood transfusion. Where are you going to get new blood? Now, isn't it interesting that you're not supposed to drink blood, but then Christ comes along in Matthew, and then he's in the Passover, and he's talking about this new sacrament, and what does he say? Drink what? This. What does it represent? My what? Blood. Leviticus 17.10 says, don't drink blood. Christ comes along later and says, drink blood. Whose blood? My blood. What? He's got perfect blood. His blood fixes your blood. We get rid of your blood, we put his blood in, you're back to normal. Is that what's going to happen in the end of the age? Yes, it is. That's what this change the body is all about. I have got to get rid of bad blood. Before Adam ate the apple that I have had two people, one here, one here. What's wrong with this one? Bad blood. What's wrong with this one? Nothing. But this one's blood fixed that one? Is this a perfect person? Sinless? Could that one's blood fix this one? It could have. What do I got to do to get this one's blood? I have to die. This one's got to die. I have to kill this one to save this one. What do you think this one thinks of that idea? Hopefully she doesn't like it. Do you think they discussed it? Do you think Adam understood what would happen? Do you think he understood what death was? And when you begin this disobedience, you start this decay, we've got bad blood now, we've got to have to have new blood. I think he understood that? Did they talk about that? He decided not to do that, didn't he? Was that his decision or her decision? Okay? When you said you die, because your blood's bad, and you have to have new blood, and God puts together a plan that's all about that, isn't it? It's all about Christ's blood. When you come here for communion service, wherever the bulletin is, I'm going to sit down and do it again. I'm going to talk about the Passover and what all this blood means. You need new blood. And then you're symbolizing that. I'm getting taking his blood and I'm drinking his blood, replacing my blood. That's the whole point of it. Now, if Adam and Eve understood that we need new blood, if you're headed that way with me, how in the world did they get that? They think of that on themselves? Couldn't have. How did they know that? Only one source, isn't there? God. Did they talk to God about this? How much did he know? When did he know it? See, he could have learned all of this after, huh? He could have been stupid all the way up to this point. Once this mistake is made, he sits down and talks to God about it before he's driven out of the garden, and now he knows, and he writes a story, right? 
Is that a normal position? Yes, it is. That is the majority position. Obviously, I don't have that, do I? I think that Adam knew this before this incident occurred, that he had discussed it. See, who's in sin? Timothy says that. Here's one of my clues. The woman is in sin. The man not in sin. The woman in sin. Read 1 Timothy 2.14. So Adam is not in sin yet. And it implies there, wait a minute, we got a problem. Now we end up with the most debated position. So I'm doing all of this so that I can move along. I know it's a review, but I've got to get you through it. And since only half of you come every other Sunday, this is last Sunday's sermon. <laughs> we have in Timothy... We have a statement that the salvation of the woman who is in sin is through the bearing of a child. That's the statement by Timothy, by Paul to Timothy. The salvation of the woman who is in sin is through the bearing of a child. Now, most people who have this typology position on Adam, which is my position, say that Adam knew that. That Adam knew before he ate from that fruit that the only way that Eve could be saved was through the bearing of a child. Exactly what Timothy says. Adam knew that. If Adam knew that the only way that Eve could be saved is through the bearing of a child, that she has to have a husband, doesn't she? She has to have a husband who is with her, because right now they are separated. He has to go to her in order for that to happen. She's over here by herself. She has no salvation, no potential of salvation, unless she has a husband with her. And that is the reason those typologists say Adam's understanding that Eve would be saved through the bearing of a child is what made him make that decision. Do I agree with that? No, I don't, because what's the problem with that? It makes Adam stupid. Sorry, I'm about spitting on the front row. <laughs> Where is my diet soda? I can't have diet sodas because if I get a diet soda, what will I do? I will burp. And that will show up on the tape. And I will be in big trouble for that. But boy, do I want a diet soda right now. So, it makes Adam stupid. Why does it make Adam stupid? Well, it makes Adam stupid because that's not what God did, is it? <coughs> See, if Adam thinks the only way that Eve can be saved is to join her, and that it takes him to save her, it is his child that saves her. It is his sin, if he takes the sin and joins her in sin away from God, that will save her. If he thinks that's the plan, he's wrong, because that wasn't the plan, is it? That isn't the point. God did not use a man to save us. He used himself to save us. And Adam would know that if he was smart. And I, of course, think that he's smart, so I have problems with that. There's no evidence that suggests that Adam knew before he ate the fruit that the way that he would be saved would be through the bearing of the child. That comes later, doesn't it? That comes after we have the curse, after we have what's called the proto-evangelium. See, that is the first, or proto-evangelium, 
That is the first mention of the Redeemer. The Redeemer has not been mentioned yet. We haven't had to talk about the Redeemer. When is the Redeemer mentioned? It is mentioned after this has occurred. And you know me, I'm a first mentioned kind of guy. When it says first mentioned, I believe first mentioned. I don't think that it got mentioned yet. So that means that Adam didn't know how he was going to be saved. He was making it up as he was going along. Now, he's a brilliant guy, and he understood all the issues, but he did not know that the way that the world would be saved if we sinned was not through a man, but through a God-man. He hadn't put that together yet. It never occurred to him that Christ would leave the triune God, take human form, and donate his blood to change our blood out. That had not occurred to Adam, in my opinion. Does that go against the grain? Yes. The majority says that Adam understood, 1 Timothy 2.15, that he knew that she had to be saved through a man, uh, through a child, and so that he went with her to provide that seed for her. Well, that turns out to be wrong. And that makes him stupid. But afterwards, he does something really unique, doesn't he? We are all dying. You know, if you read the curse, misery, toil, suffering, death, misery, toil, suffering, death, gloom, doom, despair, and after Adam gets the curses, what does he do? He names his wife life. Is he an idiot? He must be an idiot. <laughs> he reads this curse, I mean, he hears this curse, and what's he do? He turns around and names his wife life. Oh, isn't everything wonderful? Well, he must be stupid. See, here's where the stupid Adam people come. Or no, no, maybe he's not. Maybe he understands those curses and you don't. That's a very much better possibility. Here we are, though. What was his sin? See, we have to know what Adam's sin was exactly. What sin was it? I don't want to know yours, you don't want to know mine, but there's one sin you got to know. How many sins do we have here? We have one. What was the first sin by the first man? What was the first sin by the first created perfect man? What was his sin that was so bad that it has devastated this earth? What was it? It was, I think, easily discernible when you look at his answer. God says, how do you know that you're naked? Why are you afraid? Why are you ashamed? Why are you hiding? Adam's answer is, this woman that you gave to be with me, to be with me, this woman that you gave to be with me has caused me to do this because I love this woman that you gave to be with me. And we're in a situation where if I don't eat that tree, I am not going to be with her. And remember that up to this point, we have one, we have good, 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 made an image, very good, and then we've got a problem, don't we? We have a not good. What is the not good in Genesis? The not good is that man is alone. Now, whose not good is that? Is that my not good? Is that your not good? My not good is, geez, I only missed by a couple of hundred feet when I put in that foundation. That's that's a not good for me, but this is God's not good. 
God's not good. When God says something is not good, how not good is that not good? That's pretty not good, don't you think? That's that's infinite not good. God says not good. What's not good? Alone is not good. To be alone is not good. Who's alone right now? Adam here, Eve here. Who's alone? Both of them, aren't they? Remember, not good. He was alone, and who was with him? God was with him. And it was still not good. How long was he alone? How long before he figured out it was not good? You see, do you think that God just looked at him, prayed, and says, Oh, not good. Bring it in. Or was there time there for Adam to recognize that he was not good? I know God, I think, a little bit to know. Jump way off the cliff. I believe there was a significant amount of time. I got a little bit of evidence of that because he named all the animals, didn't he? How long did that take? Lots of animals. I think that took some time for him to figure out. And that's one of the reasons God brought all those animals by him. And by the way, there's revolution breaks down right off the bat, doesn't it? Because obviously God pointed out to Adam that he was much, much different than all the other animals. If he was an ape sitting there, Cro-Magnon man, behind the evolutionary scheme or model, that'll show up when it's ape, won't it? If you're buying that scheme then you're going to say an ape would have been perfectly happy with a donkey, horse, goat, whatever. They're all the same. They're all animals. But clearly God showed Adam that he was different from the animals. The Bible starts right out of wiping out theistic evolution as a doctrine. Not good. I'm with you, Adam. I'm God. I'm your creator. I'm your father. I'm with you, and it is not good that you're alone. Not good. Now, how are we doing? Is Adam alone over here? Yes, because he's back to where he was before, and that was not good. How's he doing? She's really alone. How much understanding did Adam have that being alone is not good? See, that remember I started to write out, didn't I? How about that? He comes back to the subject. Die alone is his first decision. He decides against that. He decides against that. To be with me is his answer. That tells you everything, because this is not a stupid man. He said, look, Lord... I did not want her to be alone, to die alone. I chose to die with her. Now, if he understood there were 930 years, don't know that. He may have thought instantly when the judge came, they would be dead. That would mean the separation of their body and spirit or the eternal beings they are. Does he know that? Yes, he does. He knows there's a difference between him and animals. So at least their spirits are together. They are not alone. Their bodies are dead, but their spirits are together. And as long as he does not eat from that tree of life, he has left open the door, hasn't he? The door is ajar for the Father who loves them to fix this problem. So what is his sin? What is his sin? What did he do? The first sin of the perfect man. What was his first sin? He chose, didn't he? He chose. Who did he choose? Did he choose God? No, he did not. He chose Eve. That's what he did. And then that brought in all the other issues. 
He chose Eve. That was his sin. Did he choose Eve ahead of God? Yes, he did. Exodus 20 is the what? All you wonderful Bible students. This is the Ten Commandments. What is the first commandment? Wouldn't you think that the first commandment would in some way reflect what's going on in the first story? What's the first commandment? Choose no gods above me. I am preeminent. I get chosen first. Is that what happened here? No. Broke the first commandment. What's that commandment say? What you spend? Second commandment might in some way reflect the story. You will make no image. Because why? You are the image. Don't you get it? You don't need to make an image of God. Because God has already made an image. It is you. You are in God's image. So the very first two commandments talk about what? This story. As I would expect they would. We are there. Somehow. All of this foreshadows Christ. As I believe all scripture does. Did Adam know this beforehand? We have to shut down. I'm sorry. I did good. I'm almost, I'm almost to 50. I'm at 45. 50 is where I stopped. Unfortunately, that's 45. <laughs> but we're doing okay. That's the best I've ever done. Listen, it's the best I've ever done. We are improving. Okay, maybe we're not. We are starting at 10 o'clock next week. He chose Eve. He, he shouldn't have. He didn't need to. That was disobedience. That was sin. But at least he did something really, really amazing. He did not go back and choose the tree of life. And he stopped first from doing it. See, I'm in the typology. How did Adam's taking of the tree of knowledge of good and evil save Eve? How did it save Eve? It didn't save Eve. That was his sin. It chose Eve. What save Eve. Because remember, I say that there's a type here, there's two posts, that's the Greek word, there's a foreshadowing. What saved Eve? What saved Eve was his decision after his bad one. He made one bad decision and then everyone after that pretty darn good. Because he does not go to the tree of life and she does not go to the tree of life. Who stopped her? I think the typology will suggest that stopped her. And next week, we will get into the land.